The Falcons' late-game magic fizzles in a 20-6 loss to the Detroit Lions. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who are going to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash Locked On NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So, guys, if you don't know me, I'm your very humble host, Aaron Freeman. Covered the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, still going strong on this illustrious podcast. You may know me as Sirius Black. You may also know me as Mr. Holier Than Thou. And you may also know me as Mr. Drew. My friends call me Negative Nancy. You can call me Mr. Drew, but you you can become one of my friends by becoming an everydayer of this illustrious podcast. And all you got to do is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcast. So it was not a great day, not an illustrious day for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, it kind of boiled down to one drive where the Falcons really had a chance to get back into this game after playing from behind for most of it. Um, it was a Jesse Bates interception at the end of the third quarter to start the fourth quarter with the Falcons down 13 to three at that point in time, a chance to cut it to one score. It felt like, hey, we're going to get that fourth quarter magic that we've gotten the first two weeks where Desmond Ritter and company after, you know, three iffy quarters of play on offense and elsewhere, they're going to put it together get us a drive and get us back in this game. And that was not the case. The Falcons went with a four and out to start the fourth quarter. Ritter missed throws to Drake London on third and fourth down. It was sort of low on a comeback to London on third down on one of the rare third and shorts that they had in this game. More on that later. And then it seemed like him and London were not on the same page where London seemed to break inside on a curl and Ritter threw outside on the fourth down. And that kind of summed up the Falcons day offensively, just did not see a lot of the quarterbacks and receivers being on the same page, you know, had the Falcons scored a touchdown on a drive following that Bates interception, you know, potentially they cut the lead to 13 to 10, uh, but instead they give the ball back to the lions and the lions just basically do out Falcon, the Falcon and just pound the ball down their throat and then wind up scoring uh, to push their lead 20 to three. Uh, and that was pretty much a wrap after that. And, you know, the Lions owe a lot of their success of winning this game to shutting down the Falcons run game. They were the first team in a long time to shut down the Falcons run game uh, with the Falcons finishing with only 44 yards rushing. They had going into this game the second longest active streak of 100 plus yard gains, um, you know, behind Baltimore, who had 18. The Falcons had 17 going into this game that got snapped. Didn't really think it was possible, right, that someone was going to be able to to shut that down. It'll be interesting to go back and revisit the film. Was it just simply the Lions, you know, out schemed them or they were just kicking their butts up front? Uh, but it seemed to create a snowball effect with the Falcons really unable to get anything going offensively on early downs. And that led to a lot of third and longs, right? Um, you know, and, and the Falcons really struggled to convert a lot of those. They finished th this game you know, four, 14 on third downs. Um, and they were over one on, on fourth downs, but they, un, until 
like the second to last drive of the fourth quarter, they were one for 10 on third downs. Um, and so they, they converted like three on that penultimate drive to make that number look a little bit better. And so the Falcons couldn't really sustain any offense in this game. Um, and, you know, the Lions were successful in getting the Falcons off schedule and the Falcons just really could never get back on schedule. And some of that, a lot of that is owed to their offensive line. Some of that's owed to their, um, you know, quarterback play. We'll talk more about Ritter later on, but uh, let's talk about the offensive line play, right? The, the Lions, you know, at least in pass protection, absolutely kicked the Falcons butts up front. You know, we talked about going into this game, the Lions looking to sort of get right with, you know, only having one sack in their first two games and really wanted to get after the passer. They got seven sacks today. So they definitely got right. We were kind of hoping, or at least I was hoping that the Falcons would have their get right game because their offensive line hadn't played well in the first two games and didn't look a lot better in in this way, one giving up seven sacks. I had a listener on, on the subtext, you know, text me earlier this week being like, hey, I don't know about this Aiden Hutchinson guy. I feel like he's being overhyped. And I was like, I, I don't think you're watching the film, my guy. And clearly, I think that person is probably uh, second guessing that opinion at this point because Hutchinson was kind of all over the place in this game. He finished with two sacks on the on the final two drives. He beat Jake Matthews on a six spin move on the penultimate drive. And then he beat Matthew Bergeron to basically ice the game. Um, beating Bergeron, stripping Desmond Ritter, recovering the fumble, and then the Lions went into basically victory formation. He was given Caleb McGarry fit most of the times when I saw those guys one-on-one against each other, and we saw Detroit just kind of move him all around the defensive line. So he's definitely living up uh, to the hype of being that number two overall pick. Next week, the Falcons will face the number one overall pick from that same draft in Trayvon Walker against the Jaguars. So we'll see uh, if he can sort of uh, pick up where Hutchinson left off. But I don't think overall it was all bad for the Falcons. I think you know the, the positive from this game is the defense, I thought, was solid for the most part. Obviously, they weren't good enough to win, but I think that's more on the offense than, you know, the defense certainly was, I think, no, the the defense was good enough to win. The offense just didn't basically do their job, right? Um, That to to hold Detroit, a a pretty good Lions offense to 13 points through three quarters is certainly what you would have, you would have absolutely taken that if I told you that going into the Sunday, like that would be a a good performance. Uh, And you just thought the offense would do a little bit more than what they actually did. I thought the defensive line showed up. You know, this was their best game to date. Uh, Grady Jarrett had, a, a, a you know, his breakout game of the season, uh, finished with three quarterback hits. Onyemata had two more. Uh, Bud Dupree had a couple of pressures in this game. You know, they took advantage of the Lions' weaknesses up front. We knew Taylor Decker, the left tackle for the Lions, uh, Hala Vatai, the right guard, were out of the lineup. They moved Penny Sewell to the left side. They, they gave Sewell some fits. He had a couple of holding calls in this game. Um, their replacement in right tackle, Matt Nelson, Exited the game early. His replacement, Dan Skipper, also exited the game. So they were down to their like third string right tackle and Kobe Sorsdahl, a, a rookie guard. Um, you know, unfortunately, the Falcons weren't able to capitalize on the amount of pressure that they were generating in this game because they finished with no sacks. Um, but, you know, they were able to get nine quarterback hits in this game. And again, I, I know people only care about the sacks and whatnot, but it was nice to see this defensive line get after the quarterback because we haven't really seen them do that this season. Um They've been far too reliant, I think, on blitzes and dialing up pressure in order to get after the quarterback. So it was nice to see them being able to pressure the quarterback with four. So I feel like that was a positive step for this defensive front. And I think they can come out of this game, even though they'll probably be disappointed with losing, being like, hey, we we stepped up uh, and, and did our jobs. Obviously, you want to get more opportunities to get the quarterback down. But, you know, Jared 
Goff is a, a veteran quarterback. He's going to get rid of that football pretty quickly. But, um, you know, the secondary gave up some plays early early on. But, I, again, overall, I think the defense battled back. And, of course, Jesse Bates had that interception going into the fourth quarter. Uh, and, unfortunately, the Falcons could not take advantage with that fourth quarter magic. And so we'll talk a little bit more about Desmond Ritter and the offensive struggles, especially through the air, as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. So we know that the Falcons' success depends on having the right team around their young quarterback, and the same is true for your small business. And fortunately for you, you don't have to worry about Aiden Hutchinson roaming the lobby as you're trying to interview new candidates. Uh, like uh, the Falcons are worried about Aiden Hutchinson roaming that line of scrimmage. All you have to do is go to LinkedIn Jobs. They'll help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to spread the word when you're hiring on LinkedIn Jobs, and then they'll give you simple tools like screening questions. So it's easy to focus on the candidates with the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs is going to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So we saw Desmond Ritter drop back 45 times today. And that's clearly not the way that the Falcons want to play. They're not built to play that way. Uh, maybe one day they'll, you know, they'll be able to play that way and, and win games, but they certainly did not show that they are capable of that today. Uh, Ritter finished completing 21 of 38 passes uh, for 55% of his pass attempts. He looked off for most of this game. You know, I, I felt like his decision-making was a little bit better today than it had been the first two weeks, right? He did have one near interception late in the game. Um, but, you know, that seemed like the only one. We'll see what the film says. And that's down from like two near interceptions in the first two games. So you take that as very minor progress, right? You know, going from two bad decisions to one bad decision. Um, but I think the accuracy, accuracy concerns um, were apparent in this game. And there was a lot of miscommunication between him and his receivers. You know, I don't have any, you know, strong takes about Ritter's performance. As I've said many times on this podcast over the offseason and summer, we're not going to do referendums each week on the show about Desmond Ritter and his status and his long-term ability to be the Falcons uh, quarterback. You know, it's going to play out over the course of the season. You know, we'll, we'll evaluate him each and every week. Uh, we'll take it one game at a time, but you know, I think this was a winnable game for the Falcons um, because of the defense's performance and the offense did not step up. And, uh, you know, I was, as you guys well know, if you've been an everyday or here, you, you knew I was skeptical of this team's ability to win on the road. Right. You know, that's the beauty of having low expectations is, you know, when they fail to meet them, you're not necessarily as upset as other people. Um, and, and so for me, it was one of those things where I wanted to, you know, I needed to see it before I would believe that this team would do it. You know, young quarterbacks tend to struggle on the road based off of Desmond Ritter's limited sample size last year. That proved to be the case. And I needed to see him, you know, step up on the road uh, this year uh, against the Detroit Lions. And he didn't necessarily do that. And so you know, no indications that Desmond Ritter is going to be the exception to the rule, at least up to through, you know, seven career starts of being, you know, that rare young quarterback that is out there killing on the on the road, you know, four and oh at home so far. Oh, and three on the road kind of meets our sort of expectations. But, you know, if there's really any positive I can say about the offense, it, it was nice to see them get Kyle Pitts involved early in the game. Um, that's really about it. You know, Pitts and London combined for 15 targets. They only finished with seven catches combined. Um, and I would, you know, I don't, I could only guess on how many of those eight 
you know, missed throws were on the quarterback, but it probably seemed like the majority of them were on the quarterback, not the receivers. So, you know, that's where Ritter has to step up and hopefully he'll, he'll do better next week on the road in London again uh, against Jacksonville. You know, they got blasted today by the Texans 37 to 17. I don't think anybody saw that coming. And we'll see if, you know, next week is the get right game for this Falcons offensive line and for their offense, you know, um, you know, again, low expectations, you know, people get mad at me when I'm not necessarily over the moon when the team wins, just like I'm not super down on the team after a loss. Right. I just kind of stay at a five out of 10. Right. Like my my philosophy and has been longtime philosophy is team is never as good as you think they are. They're never as bad as you think they are. They're just kind of what they are. Um, so, you know, I think kudos goes to the Lions. I think they went out there and out executed the Falcons. They were a good football team. Uh, there's a reason why people have been hyping them up for all offseason. And I think they went out there and showed it. Um, even with some of the injuries, they, they went out there and, and played above themselves. Uh, and, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of questions about Arthur Smith's play calling in this game. There always is after every loss, especially when the offense struggles. Um, I didn't personally have major issues with it. You know, I usually don't have as big an issue with play calling as other people do. You know, my general rule is like, you know, 65 offensive plays, which I think what the Falcons wound up having today. Um, if you had issues with three play calls, that still would be an A, right? If you took a quiz and had 65 questions and you got 62 of them right, or even got 60 of them right, you'd still get an A or B plus on that quiz. So I don't, you know, I'm not going to hammer him. Probably my only major critique, at least off the initial watching of the game live, and we'll see again. Maybe I'll have more criticisms after I rewatch the game Monday morning and then watch the all 22 later in the week. But, you know, I think it took maybe a little too long for them to get Bijan involved in the offense. He didn't really get uh, into the game until the second series. So, you know, maybe next week you want to give him the first touch as opposed to um, that. But I, I appreciated the Falcons taking shots, trying to use the play action. They just didn't connect really on enough of those plays in this game. So, you know, I don't think the play calling was probably as problematic as probably other people will see, but we'll see if that holds up over further scrutiny. Um, I just think ultimately the Falcons just didn't execute their offense in the way that they drew it up, uh, which is, you know, typically the case in a loss. So we'll recap this game to wrap up, uh, give you a summary and sort of give you some of my other takeaways. We did get Jeff Akuda coming back. We'll, you know, we get one player back. Maybe we're losing another player in Troy Anderson. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So we'll see how that goes for the Falcons. And we'll wrap up the highs, the lows, the roller coaster of this game uh, to close out today's Rapid Reaction Podcast. So I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'll be on Twitter or other social media accounts and I'll be scrolling late at night and I'll see someone post some delicious looking food and I'll be like, man, I, I really want some delicious looking food. Like recently someone posted a clip, a uh, picture of, of calamari and I was like, I want some calamari and you can satisfy those late night cravings uh, by hitting up DoorDash, right? And not only can you trust DoorDash to deliver those restaurant favorites like calamari or whatever's you're craving late at night, but you can also trust DoorDash to deliver your groceries, right? I love DoorDash personally because they're the only spot that my local wing spot delivers from. Um, and I constantly use them on Wednesdays uh, for wing Wednesdays and whatnot. And, you know, if you're constantly, you know, getting your food delivered or groceries delivered, you can get even greater value uh, by paying virtually nothing with $0 delivery fees for eligible orders when you get a Dash Pass membership. 
Now, you can also get 50% off your first DoorDash order and up to $20 value when you use our code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. It's a limited time offer in terms apply, but that's $50, 50% off, I'm sorry, up to a $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNFL. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNFL for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. So for those of you that missed the game and, and sort of the, the highs and the lows or the lows and the highs, I guess is probably more accurate to put it for the Falcons. It was kind of a slow start for both teams offensively. They both started with three and outs. Then the Falcons gave up two sacks on their second series. The Lions responded with a field goal drive of their own to take a 3-0 lead. And then the Falcons answered with a field goal of their own to start the second quarter. The Lions then got back on the scoreboard. Richie Grant gave up a big play to Lions tight end Sam Laporta on a 45-yard touchdown strike um laporta basically shook him you know on a deep post or a double move um and as we discussed during the week in the all 22 review on wednesday you know richie grant hasn't been great as a deep safety this year and it showed up once again in this game now the falcons after that score you kind of needed them to respond they didn't they got a three and out then the lions went on a long drive the falcons red zone defense did step up though get a stop force a 24 yard field goal and, you know, that gave the Lions a 13 to three lead with two minutes left to go uh, in the first half. And the Falcons had two opportunities, two possessions in the final two minutes to get points on the board. And they failed to do so. Lions um, got the ball to start the second half. The Falcons did force a three and out. Uh, the Falcons did start to get their run game going on their opening drive of the, of the third quarter. But then Young Way Koo missed a 47 yard field goal uh, and the Falcons failed to capitalize on that. Um, again, the defense still hung in there. Uh, they were the front started to really sort of assert their will and get after Jared Goff on the next play on the next drive and enforce a Lions punt. Then they kind of traded series in, until the final play of the third quarter where Jesse Bates snagged an interception on an overthrow from Jared Goff. Um, as stated earlier, the Falcons failed to capitalize on that uh, favorable field position in Lions territory with a four and out. Then the Lions went smash mouth feeding Jameer Gibbs, and then Jared Goff capped off that drive uh, to score on a three-yard quarterback keeper uh, to give the Lions a 20-3 lead with 10 minutes left. Falcons still had a, a chance, right? They needed a quick score on their subsequent drive. They did not get that. They basically dinked and dunked their way down the field, bled five minutes of the remaining 10 minutes on the clock, uh, and then wound up having to settle for a field goal um, to cut the lead to 20 to six. And then the Falcons defense again got another stop uh, just before the two minute warning. Um, but the Falcons had to burn all their timeouts to do so. And then, you know, Ritter nearly threw that pick uh, on a scene ball to John o. Smith. And then Aiden Hutchinson beat Bergeron for that sack strip and the Lions recovered and then went into victory formation. So clearly, again, I think the back and forth shows that this defense, when they needed to get stops, they got those stops and the offense just failed to take advantage of that. And so that's sort of the big takeaway of the game. So again, you know, I don't think it should be a surprise that the offense is, you know, with a young quarterback on the road, you know, without the run game getting going, like the offense struggled today, you know, I don't know if play calling had much to do with that, but again, we'll see how that holds up. But, you know, the last little tidbits we'll talk about Troy Anderson, did he get shaken up on the, I think the penultimate Lions drive or the final Lions drive. Uh, and then was seen with his arm in a sling after the game. So hopefully we'll get an update on that on tomorrow. Um, Jeff Akuda did make his return to the lineup. He was splitting reps with Trey Flowers. It did seem like Flowers got the majority of the reps 
but they did were they were substituting Akuda in at times. And I didn't notice Akuda in this game uh, when I did, like he was doing good things. So that's a positive sign. So hopefully he'll be you're ready to go full uh, bore, I guess you could say, next week against the Jaguars, where I think, you know, going up against arguably a better receiver core, uh, you know, no no slouch to Amon Ross St. Brown, who was really good. Um, but you got Calvin Ridley, you got Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, is Zay Jones still in Jacksonville and healthy? I don't know. Um, but we'll, we'll see how they match up next week. So um, with, with Trevor Lawrence, you need to have that coverage on the back end. So, um, you know, hopefully next week the Falcons will be able to establish the run a little bit better than they did Sunday. And if they do, I think they'll certainly have a chance to win that game. I think on paper, the matchup between the Falcons and Jaguars is very similar to the matchup between the Falcons and Lions. I think the Jaguars and Lions are similar teams, right? You know, they have this sort of explosive everyday running back, you know, Jameer Gibbs versus Travis Etienne, you know, St. Brown is their number one. Calvin Ridley is, uh, is, is Jacksonville's, you know, they have a capable, but not elite tight end, you know, Sam Laporta versus Evan Ingram. Um, you know, I think the biggest difference is probably you, you probably feel generally a little bit more afraid of Trevor Lawrence and Jared Goff. Although I think Lawrence hasn't necessarily lived up to that. Uh, you know, Goff seems to be the, probably the steadier of the two quarterbacks. Um, but we know Trevor Lawrence is very capable of very high highs, but he's probably also capable of much lower lows. And that seems to be the case, uh, at least, you know, looking at the Jaguars from afar, I haven't really paid that much attention to him this year. So that will be something that I will go back and rewatch their games, um, against Kansas city and in Houston to see what their formula for success was against them. But you know, the formula for the Falcons is the same every week. You know, they're, they're a team that needs to win in along the trenches at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They're not really built to be this high flying explosive dynamic offense. You know, again, much to the chagrin, I think of a lot of folks um, it's not to say that their skill position players aren't very talented. You know, their big three in, in London and Pitts and Bijan are very capable, but as we saw today, you know, if, if one of those guys isn't dominating, at least one of those guys isn't dominating, there isn't a whole lot that the Falcons are going to be able to throw out defenses that are really going to challenge them in major ways. So um, that's been part of the reason why I've been probably a little bit more skeptical of the Falcons and many of you guys after their 2-0 start, just because like I think they're good along the line of scrimmage, but they're not like great along the line of scrimmage to, to feel like super confident that each and every week they're going to go out there and win every single game and dominate every single opponent. The Lions are also very good in the trenches. And so a lot of these games have been even matches, and that's why they've been so close going into the final quarter. And fortunately for the Falcons at home, in the two wins, they were able to make the plays in the fourth quarter to win those games. And this week on the road, they weren't able to make those plays. And, you know, that's just the nature of the beast in the NFL. Some weeks you'll have it, some weeks you don't. Um, you know, that's why it's any given Sunday each and every week. And, you know, looking at the scoreboard th this weekend, it was like a lot of surprising outcomes. You know, Gardner Minshew going on the road, beating the Ravens, the Texans destroying or I guess destroying the Jaguars, at least based off of the scoreboard, you know, Miami absolutely annihilated Denver in this game, dropped a 70 burger on them. Like you don't see that really ever. Like I, we've been talking about Miami sort of offhand, like as the best offense in the league and boy, <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. So I would love to watch the film of that game. Uh, so maybe that'll be something I'll do later this weekend. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm eager to hear you guys sound off in the comments as I'm sure many of you already have, uh, you know, telling, Who's who needs to be benched? Who needs to be fired? Who needs to be cut? Who needs to be traded after each loss? Uh, you know, I'm sure the tankers are out there thumping their chest as well. You know, we gotta go, we gotta go get that number one pick because it's the season's over. And it's like, okay, like 
this is this is why <laughs> this is why I underreact to wins, and this is why I don't overreact to losses. It's just like okay, it's it's week three, you know, about to be week four. It's a long season, so you know, we'll we'll see we'll see what you know. My my philosophy is like usually around week four, week five, week six. Um, you you kind of know what your team is, and you can sort of make more definitive judgments. You know, we're still waiting for the offense to the passing game at least to get going. We were hoping, you know, three or four weeks. We went into the season going, look, it takes about three or four weeks. Uh, didn't really get that in week three. So hopefully we get that in week four. So, you know, if not, then we'll just basically say, well, look, you know, three or four weeks with a veteran quarterback, you know, five or six weeks with it with a young quarterback, and hopefully we'll figure it out. So that's it. Back to the drawing board for the Falcons. Get back to, you know, their identity of, of running the football. Uh, but they weren't able to do that on this Sunday. So we'll be back tomorrow, guys. Uh, we'll see if I can get a guest um, to give their insight into this game as well. Uh, but continue to make Locked on Falcons your first listen. Uh, if you want to, uh, you know, vent a little bit, you, uh, join the subtext, right? That's, uh, you know, a thing where you can have that one-on-one conversation with me. You could text me. I'll send out my takes and dust and stuff. You know, did a lot of pre and in, in, in-game analysis. Um, it's only $4.99 a month, but the first two weeks are free. Uh, so if you're interested in that, just to try it out for a couple of weeks, for 14 days, you can do so just by clicking the link in the description below. And of course, you guys know where else to find me uh, via social media on Lockdown Falcons. You can hit me up in the Discord, the Lockdown Falcons link in the description below. Of course, you can vent via email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. But that's going to do it for us here on today's Rapid Reaction. We'll, you know, be back at it. Uh, make sure you check out the Locked On Sports Atlanta football party, 2 p.m. Mondays. Ho- hopefully, you know, the plan is to do it every week uh, with myself, Jarvis Davis, Tanitra Batiste, Locked On Sports Atlanta, and of course, everybody's favorite Atlanta Falcons, uh, you know, writer, Tori McElhaney, every Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern time. So go check that out on the Locked On Sports Atlanta uh, YouTube and um, audio platform. So follow that wherever you can. So that's going to do it for us, guys. Really appreciate it. Till then. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20.